Hello and welcome to Irreverent Testimony, brought to you by Netroots Radio, the political podcast by Inform Millennial and Gen X or Types from a left-wing perspective. It is Saturday, November 24th, 2018. Happy Thanksgiving. I'm Travis. I'm Rachel. Sorry we couldn't join you last week. I was very sick and under the weather. Now Rachel is under the weather, but because she's tough and I'm a wuss, uh, we're <laughs> we're going to, that's about the size of it. Uh, we're going to give you a podcast. Yeah. Sorry we missed you last week. I know there's a lot going on. Um, is there? Is there really, though? <laughs> I mean, define a lot. Right? Yeah, right? Well, uh, there is, but we're going to start the show as we, as is our semi-normal tradition of giving you a movie review. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> that's what you tune in for. Yep. Uh, we Maybe went... we should just do a movie review podcast, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nobody does that. <laughs> There'd be a new concept. Call it three quarters in the bag. <laughs> um, okay, so we uh, went and saw The Front Runner, which is the movie about Gary Hart. Yes, and his failed uh, 1988 bid for president. He also ran in 84, didn't really get far. Right. Um, but then 88, he really was the front runner, um, you know, before the primary started and everything. And who knows what might have happened, but a lot of people felt as though. Yeah, he, he was the guy that could beat Reagan, um, or I'm sorry, Bush at that point. It would have been George H.W. Bush. And, uh, well, it didn't work out that way. Um, yeah. I mean, I think you most of our listeners know the story. For those who don't, he was a longtime senator from right here in Colorado. Yep, hometown boy. Hometown boy. Uh, and Be the first president from the West. Yep. And like many, 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 many other men in power, he did not only have relations with his wife, uh, but this was entering a phase where the media started to follow and cover that sort of thing. This was sort of the first time they did that, um, get into the sort of scandals of um, a person running for office or in office that had literally nothing to do with uh, their political career or policy positions or anything else Mm -hmm. um it was tough to watch for me um it's a i thought it was a great movie um but and i knew the story in advance but um watching it unfold uh was tough um well in some of my earliest memories i you know i i lived through it and i was in miami at the time and of course the big miami angle was that he had met Donna Rice, Gary Hart did, uh, in Miami, and she was from Miami. And so it was the Miami Herald that broke the story by doing some basically like amateur police stakeout reconnaissance type stuff. Right. Uh, they just like camped out outside and, of one of his houses. And, and they caught him. In D.C. and watched her come in and watched her leave. And it was overnight. Cornered and, him and asked him. And he was evasive and combative. And then that was kind of it. Yeah. Um, and... Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, I I lived through it. I I remembered it. And I was five, so I don't remember it from my life, but I um, certainly learned about it. There's a This American Life um, episode about it, which is great. And a Radio Lab. Or is it Radio Lab? I think it is. I think it might be Radio Lab. Yeah. Anyway, Um, hmm, I thought Hugh Jackman was great. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I was questioning the decision. To, to pick him, but he was really good. Yeah. Um, I think it was really hard because two reasons, really. One is that what a different world maybe we would live in if he'd been the president. Um, sure. He was 
great. Very progressive. Yes. Um, I mean, for the 80s, like he had so many problematic things, even in the movie, they showed some of them. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, for an 80s Democrat, um, he certainly would have been better than uh, George H.W. Bush. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, <clears throat> really charismatic guy, really uh, had some possibility in the fact that, you know, he had this this extramarital affair um, and that that tanked his presidential campaign sucked. Um, the fact, I think, that his wife knew that that was a thing. Um, and was sort of fine with it. Um, and then the sort of second angle was just like how, what we do to women. (laughs) Um, his daughter, his wife, and also Donna Rice, uh, all of them were very negatively impacted by this man. Um, and, and, and that's hard. It was hard to watch. Well, Gary Hart has always been an interesting figure to me, and there's a lot of irony in what happened and sort of his rise and fall. He was almost this like Martin Luther type character in terms of politics. You know, he was very, very uh, strident in, in the way he believed that, you know, politics was, was is meant to be about issues. And right. it, it had just become too glamorized and too... It had become too much centered around entertainment and television and a popularity contest and style over substance, you know, and all these things, of course, are true. Um, And he was sort of a a political purist and he was very big on the democratic process and that people, you know, it should all, all that should matter is substance and issues. Right. And I think he was pretty naive. Yeah. uh, In that sense. And certainly the way he handled his personal life. Uh, I think was naive. Well, I think though that he had no reason, no reason to have any expectation that it would be different because it really never had been. There really, you know, um, presidents past and politicians past prior to him had had all kinds of affairs. Look at JFK. Look at Johnson, the Roosevelt and, and, uh, and Johnson yeah. and all of them. Right. Yeah, sure. I mean, all of them had personal things that the media just didn't feel like that was. Didn't matter. It wasn't right. News. It wasn't news, and it wasn't relevant, and it wasn't um, polite to talk about. Right? Like yeah. it wasn't important. And I think that that's right in a lot of ways. It, it is, but th- there was a shifting sort of wind in the public sort of consciousness where yeah, it, it started to matter. And but they- I mean it. It did, but because really, because of these couple of reporters in the Miami Herald, they sort of fundamentally changed how the media um, covers politicians. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's in a way that's helpful yeah. um, in a lot of ways. I don't. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I don't I don't know that he should not have been president because he had sex with somebody that wasn't his wife, particularly given that his wife knew that that was a thing that he did and that was an agreed upon thing and her mm-hmm. one thing was just like don't tell anybody like don't let anybody find out don't embarrass me you don't don't do anything that's embarrassing <laughs> or egregious right much much like hillary clinton. hillary clinton and monica Lewinsky. i mean a lot of people don't again are sort of in denial or they see it through the classic prism of a regular monogamous marriage and the clintons are not that no um and the the hearts are not that. But at the same time, you don't want your partner 
making life difficult for you if if they can help it and I mean I think that that was what made her so mad um and I think Lee and I think that's what made Hillary mad too right was not that their husbands were having sex with other people I think they both we all, I think we know now like they both knew that that was a thing that they were going to do mm-hmm. the big thing was just like social monogamy right like the idea of i don't want my friends to know i don't want the public to know i don't want the press to know that this is a thing that we do because monogamy is very much entrenched in our culture and people judge people who aren't monogamous as we well know yes and so yeah um i think that's fair and i think it hurt her um and their and And, their daughter and i mean i think and certainly Donna Rice um, didn't come out unscathed. Um, so, yeah, it's a good movie. I would recommend it highly. It was a really, it was good, really good movie. Good. There was a lot of inside baseball stuff in terms of the nitty-gritty of running a campaign. <coughs> yes. Uh, a lot of stuff that Rachel... Which I appreciated. ...pointed and giggled at and... Yeah, call we, time. And yes. <laughs> we, we've both worked in campaigns, Rachel, much more yeah. extensively than I have. and They literally talked about call time, though. It was so cute. <laughs> yeah. Which is notoriously so difficult thing. to get oh, your candidate so hard. to do. And, uh, and then what that means is just calling people and asking them for money. And fundraising and polling yeah. and yeah. Um, media. It's always media and how to handle these sort of situations that... I thought it was so interesting that he was just so like... Even after it broke and people started asking questions, he was just like, no. Well, that's not a thing we're going to talk about. Yes. I want to talk about the environment or I want to talk about my tax plan and I want to talk about this. And everyone around him was like... Yo, th- no, but he and, cares about that now. And, right yeah. now they care about this pretty lady that was in your room. Well, and then he was sort of pushed into having to address it and, and he kind of stumbled into that. And, you know, the first round of the, all the Donna Rice stuff, he, he almost got past that. Yeah. Uh, and then it was, well, there's a bunch more pictures and he was screwing around with some uh, staffer's wife and then, you know, and then it just sort of snowballed from there. Yeah. Um, and... Yeah, it was sort of the day and age where, uh, in terms of running for president at least, where it was much, much harder to get away with that. Um, it I, just became that, it, and he was the well, but then, recipient and then, and then of, Clinton turned that on its head yep. because it looked like the same thing happened to Clinton with Jennifer Flowers. And then people finally did go, ah, NASCAR it. It's not that important after all. Yeah. I mean, I I don't think that's true. Like, let's talk about Anthony Weiner, right? He doesn't have a job anymore. Well, that's, Um, Weiner's very different. Weiner. I would also argue that Gary Hart's really different from Bill Clinton in that um, Monica Lewinsky was very young and a staffer and he was the president. And I think Clinton has gotten away with. I'm not talking about Monica Lewinsky. I'm talking about during the 1992 Democratic primary, much Mm. like Hart. Mm. That is where the Clinton stuff came up, and everybody thought it was it was heart redux. And uh, of course, Clinton wasn't considered really the front runner then; he was just this guy running for president. From and Arkansas then, to play the uh, saxophone. yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, and yeah. then the Jennifer Flowers thing came out, and they're like, "Okay, well, he's done. Not, and who's next? Paul Tsongas, right? There, yes, there was a guy who ran for president named Paul Tsongas, and he was the he was like number two uh, behind Clinton, uh, and then." 
you know, voters in several states early on just were like, nah, screw it. Maybe four years of the GHW Bush economy said, like, maybe this stuff really isn't that important. After what if all. we'd had Gary Hart, right, I think? Right. Right. Maybe some of that was at least in the back of people's minds. Right. It's hard to say, but. You know, um, it would have been funny if, or not funny, but it would have been interesting if, you know, when you read those little text blocks at the end, if they said something like, you know, Clinton, same, same thing happened to Bill Clinton and he went ahead and won the primary and then the presidency. But, uh, in any event, that's kind of what happened and, and, and where we are and any other thoughts about the movie and Gary Hart and what that all means for modern politics. Um, I just think it's so interesting that this was 88, so the year my little brother was born, right? Not very long ago. <laughs> um, and how I think it impacted where we are today, mm-hmm. that we now have a reality star as our president. Um, and I think it sort of started with Gary Hart, this tabloidizing of politics and mm-hmm. politicians and their personal lives and and sort of... It's been a snowball since, um, and I think it, and, in part, is why we are where we are. And that's the sick irony, is that, that that's what Gary Hart was so adamantly against, right. and then that very thing undid him. Right. Um, and, and I think it plays some small part in where we are today. I really do. Sure. Sure. You know? I think it, it, absolutely it does. Um, and now we're in a whole new universe that everybody's just sort of figuring out in terms of the... Uh, outsized effect social media has right and 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 foreign entities manipulating social media and we're just scratching the surface and figuring out what that all means and how that all works yeah so you know brave new interesting world and and here we are and horror show basically and and horror show yeah (laughs) It's pretty uh, and, awful. And it was really interesting. Uh, next, I want to move on to something that has captivated people's interest and imagination and enraged a lot of people, uh, us included. Mm-hmm. And that is... Uh, okay, so there are very few. There's there's just a small handful left in the world of what they call... Uh, uncontacted. Uncontacted, which is kind of a misnomer. Yeah. But they call them uncontacted tribes. Indigenous people live on various islands. Indigenous people who have little or no contact with the outside world and have lived that way for for hundreds, thousands, in some case, tens of thousands of years. Uh, And, and, you know, we think that, like, hey, we've conquered the world with all our technology and civilization. It's like, well, no, there's still some parts that are... We've colonialized the world. There are small, very small parts that are untouched, and there are still people living there that have not uh it hasn't caught up and those people by and large want to be left alone in the case of uh the sentinelese which is not what they're called it's just what we call them we don't know what they call themselves Mm -hmm. uh there's this small tribe on this very remote island off the coast of india Um, they've had very little contact with the outside world. The little contact they have has been disastrous for them, mm-hmm. for the most part, because being isolated for thousands of years. About 60,000 years. Estimated. Yeah, they estimate possibly. Uh, that these people do not have natural immunity to a lot of the common things we carry around with us, like the flu, you know, right. or God knows what else. Right. And Just regular, like, sort of 
you know, like when people have babies, the babies, I guess young mothers that I have known often talk about like needing to build up immunity in their babies Mm -hmm. by just taking them around people and having people touch them and hang out with them. They always want you to wash your hands first. But like just general like things that you carry on your body that don't affect you is because you've built up an immunity over your lifetime as have all of us. And these people have never been exposed to any of that kind of bacteria or germs or disease or anything that we all sort of just carry around. Mm Mm-hmm. Like the stomach bug I'm fighting, um, would probably kill off the entire tribe. It could, it could, if you know, or if you have the flu, yeah, um, that that could kill off nearly the entire tribe. And uh, if you think about Columbus, right, coming into the yes. native populations and yes. giving them blankets with smallpox, that yes. killed off it was a genocide. Yes, by disease. Essentially, yes. Um, anyway, so this American guy, this twenty-something American guy. Uh, named John Allen Chow. Um, so I think he might have been part... Uh, I don't know what Chow is, if that's Korean or or, or Thai or what, but... Um, Christian missionary. Christian missionary decided on his own, hey, I'm going to go uh, preach the gospel to these people. He thought that he, he wrote blog posts or something and um, reported that he thought that God was telling him that these uncontacted people, that was his mission in life, was to go contact people who had previously been uncontacted to let them know about Jesus Christ. To praise the gospel of Jesus. Yeah. Um, okay, so he what he did was he paid off some local fishermen to uh, take him by boat close enough to the island where he could go on shore. And the Indian government has made it illegal to approach this this part of this island for reasons that we just talked for about reasons right that we're we gonna just wipe them out and because when anybody ever anybody has in recent history tried to contact them they have shot bows and arrows at them and said yes. get the fuck away yes uh well this guy did anyway and they killed him yes very quickly with bows and arrows and then they buried him in they the killed sand. him and buried him in the sand and said bye-bye um where, where wow where do we start i mean Good. <laughs> I mean, well, what are you doing? What I, are you doing? It, it's, beyond, Stop. it's beyond good. Just the minimal contact they have may be deadly. Yeah. May, uh, and, and here's the, the big problem I have. Uh, this guy, I mean, I have so many problems, I don't know where to start. Like, my biggest problem is just the, the plain logic of what what was this guy thinking? What, what was, was the he, plan? What was the plan? Was he... <laughs> Nobody knows their language. No. Not like scholars who study indigenous tribes, they have no idea what the no. North Sentinelese language is. No. They have no idea. Um certainly these people don't know English. So he what, what was he going he was going to show up and be like, "Hi, I'm John from America." You know, America. And here's the Bible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What? What is the fucking plan here? <laughs> They don't know what you're saying. They don't want to be contacted. You could potentially wipe out the rest of the entire tribe, which is only like 150 people at this point. They, they don't know how many, but it's not many, right? <clears throat> so I don't know. I don't know what the plan was other than I heard that he um, did like a book tour with like one of the um, Liberty Foundation people uh-huh. um, who then like funded his trip to India. Jesus. Yeah. Um, so I guess he wanted to like come back and write a book about how he was a white savior to these savages or something. Yeah. Um, 
he went a prior time. He so he tried to make contact with them multiple times. And the first time was with the fishing boats, and they shot an arrow through his waterproof Bible. So he claims. That sounds so a little claims, fanciful. Doesn't it? Yeah. And then this this final time, he had to, like, hijack a canoe yes. um, to get himself fully onto the Yeah, the fishermen, the I think, were like, we're not going no, any closer. No, we can't go any closer. First of all, it's illegal. And second of all, you're going to fucking kill you. He was well aware that they were going to kill him, and he did it anyway to be some sort of, what, martyr or something? I don't know. But Yeah, I don't know what his plan was, except he was obviously some crazy religious zealot. Here's the bigger problem, right? So this guy, I mean, you know, I'm sure he went to nothing but Christian schools and Christian universities, but he, he had to be aware of germ theory and what happened but to God the indigenous let it people. Happen, right? Well, that's the problem, right? Like, how much, how did he, did he know the risks he was posing right. to these people? And my guess is he probably did and just didn't care. Right. Or just thought God would never let that happen because I'm doing on a mission. For so him. it's so, a, it's a, it's, it's a perfect so combination of disgusting American exceptionalism and religious fervor. Yes. Right. But, but again, like what was and the plan? The, well, but then the, the aftermath of it, right? Like, I don't really care that he's dead. I'm sorry if that offends anybody, but I really don't. He knew what he was getting himself into. He was dangerous to, himself obviously but also to this entire tribe of people and yes his arrogance and naivete is just disgusting um but the the backlash from american evangelicals has been outrageous against the north sentinelese right yes they're like we have to go in there we need to get his body back these people need to be prosecuted <laughs> under american law for this crime this murder what, what, of what a crime? religious are exception the, are this... these the same people that have like no trespassing probably all over their property and they would like to have a wall force? between mexico and the united states yeah but this motherfucker can just walk on their island and they kill him and they're like no that we have to go we're going to go find the dude who did it and extradite him to the United States and put him on trial for murder. Yeah, that's not happening. like, that's fuck you. No. And also, you don't get to have his body back. No. No. Just leave them the fuck alone. Leave them alone. Yeah. It's dangerous for them to have any further contact with us. And I'm sorry, but that he made a decision, you know? I mean, he made a choice and exactly what was going to happen happened. It's sort of like I think about like Grizzly Man, right? This man (laughs) goes and lives with grizzly bears and fucks with grizzly bears for 10 years and they eventually kill him and people are like, it's so sad. And I'm like, why is that sad? No. The grizzly bear did exactly what the grizzly bear is always going to do. And he's dead now because he made that choice. This is the same thing that this man did. I don't feel sad. Or the suburban kid that decided I'm going to live in the wild in Alaska and died within a week. Right. Right. It's like, there, there's, look, this, there's this arrogance uh, of white people, right? Because yes, there's always white people. Always. Now, this guy was also part Asian, I think, maybe, but he was a white American. He's a white American. Dude, right? He was raised, yes. And this arrogance is... I'm sorry, I just don't feel bad when these people die. I don't. I'm just like, well, okay. You made a choice that was foolish and as someone who's kind of risk averse i would never make but it's a more, lot of people I, make you know what i I, I, I don't even get to the part about the personal danger to himself what, what enrages me right is the 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 risk that he posed to these people right and because he jesus yeah and they it's def- just so disgusting and they defended themselves yes and also he broke a law if you want to talk about 
Yeah, being angry with people who cross borders and that's against the law. Therefore, they are, you know, criminals. Mm -hmm. He broke a law. He's not allowed to go there. There's no religious exception for borders as far as I'm concerned. Right. As far as I know, the Indian government said nobody gets to go there. Yes. And he did anyway. Yes. And I hope that the people there can survive that contact. We don't know, and there's no way we can know. But they're because literally they'll descend like, back into the forest, and we we won't know how many of them could possibly die. All these like, Republicans if, are like, we ha- well, what are we going to do about his body? Though we need it back. His family deserves to have his body. It's like fuck you. No, you don't. No. Okay, go ahead and canoe on shore then. Let's see what happens. No, I don't want anyone <laughs> else. Fuck, just stop fucking with them, please. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. But yeah, they, no. No, you don't get his body back. He made a choice, and that choice is done. So it's God, over. You could see Trump getting involved in doing oh, something yeah. really stupid, though, couldn't oh, you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's and, and, that, and that wouldn't be a first. Remember what the Republicans did with Terry Schiavo. And that right. backfired horribly on them, right. by the way. Even my parents yeah, were, were like, this, no. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I have an interesting thread from a guy on Twitter. At Respectable Lawyer. Yes. Respectable this, Lawyer, you like him. He's a he's an anarchist lawyer. Yeah. Which, of course, I like him. That's <laughs> my type. Um Okay, he's got this thread about this exact tribe um, from back in the day. He says, there's uh, been a lot of talk about the missionary killed by natives on, of North Sentinel Island. They're probably so aggressive because of this weirdo, Maurice Vidal Portman. So here's a big thread about this creep and some facts from my decade-long obsession with this island. The Sentinelese are often described as, quote, uncontacted, but this is not strictly true. They had a very significant contact in 1880 with a man named Commander Portman. Portman, the black sheep third son of some minor noble, was assigned by the English Royal Navy to administer and pacify the Andaman Islands, a job he pursued from 1880 to 1900 with the full measure of his own perversity. Portman was erotically obsessed with the Andamanese and indulged his passion for photography by kidnapping members of various tribes and posing them in mock Greek homoerotic compositions. And there's photos. Mm -hmm. During his 20 years in a sexualized heart of darkness, Portman measured and cataloged every inch of his prisoners' bodies with an obsessive focus on their genitals. And then there's a whole thing that he wrote, which is gross, I'm not going to read. Just imagine being a Neolithic person spending a few weeks in this guy's rotating menagerie. Portman spent most of his time in the greater Andaman Islands, but in 1880, he landed on North Sentinel. The natives fled, and his party ventured inland to find a settlement which had just been abandoned, in haste. But they located an elderly couple and a few children and were able to abduct them. The elderly couple died quickly, likely from ailments to which they had no immunity. The children spent a few weeks with Portman doing God knows what, after which he returned them to the island. Portman returned on a couple of occasions, but the Sentinelese hid from him each time. The story related by the children was certainly passed down among the hundred or so inhabitants of the island, and even today, Portman's fatal fatal kidnapping is just beyond a human lifetime. So, when the Indian government attempted contact with anthropologists in the 1960s and 70s, the Sentinelese were understandably hostile to outsiders. The Indian government soon gave up. In 1981, a cargo ship named the Primrose ran around the coral reef surrounding North Sentinel. The crew radioed for assistance and settled in for a long wait. But in the morning, they saw 50 men with bows on the beach building makeshift boats. The crew called for an emergency airlift and were evacuated, and not a moment too soon. Rough waves had thwarted the Sentinelese in their attempts to board, but the weather was clearing. There's photos of them in their boats trying to board. Mm -hmm. 
The ship and its cargo were left at the island, awaiting discovery by Neolithic eyes. Today, you can still see the gutted remains of the Primrose on Google Earth. Imagine climbing on board that ship, a completely alien vessel filled with alien things. Imagine seeing simple machines for the first time, a hinge, a latch, a wheel, things that would instantly make sense in a satisfying way. Others would be so incomprehensible as to avoid notice. I've never been able to find out what cargo was on the Primrose in all my years of reading. There was about a hundred tons of some sort of consumer product on board, and I'm curious what it was. It turns so out it was, it was chicken feed. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Oh. But absent the cargo, think about all the things that must have been on that ship. In the 1990s, when anthropologists returned to the island to make new attempts at contact, they were met with a different attitude. Not friendly, exactly, but they were willing to accept gifts. Many would wade into the water with smiles to accept coconuts. There's a video of one of the encounters. Mm-hmm. I saw it. And in those videos, you can see that these pre-Iron Age people now had metal weapons, like the narf- knife carried by this man. They scavenged metal from the primrose and cold-forged it into tools, which is amazing. After collecting gifts for a few minutes, a few members of the tribe would approach and make menacing gestures, signaling that it was time for outsiders to leave. They've never lost their desire for isolation despite the gifts, and they remain consistent in their intolerance against intruders. In 2006, two fishermen were killed after drifting into the island when their anchor detached while they were sleeping. The Sentinelese are lucky that they were so effective at preventing contact. The neighboring Jawara weren't so fortunate. The tribe went from 9,000 to a couple of hundred people from lack of genetic immunity and only forestalled annihilation due to aggressive segregation. Their future is bleak. Yet on North Sentinel, they've maintained a small community for 60,000 years, which is by all indications happy. There is no way to integrate them into the modern world without wiping out nearly every member of their tribe. And their aggressiveness is not the mark of savagery. It's just that their conception of outsiders is mostly framed by some foot-faced English pervert who murdered some old people and did weird things to their kids. So let's just do them a favor and leave them alone. Yeah, um, there, there's a little ambiguity about who that creepy English guy actually abducted, whether it was the Sentinelese or another nearby tribe or maybe some of both. But the point is the same. Right. Yeah, the, the point is... Uh, if your first contact is with some weirdo who's kidnapping people and taking pictures of their genitals and doing like molesting their children, probably you don't want white folks on your island. Well, that's the contact we know about. They, they may have had other contact with, with, with other people as well. I mean... It, they know there's a reason that that they're hostile to outsiders and it's not just because they're xenophobic it's right. they understand you know they 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 probably understand that they're not immune right um and nothing like, nothing, out, nothing good, good, can good come. comes from outsiders coming in we don't want to be colonialized period yeah. and i don't blame them and thank god they haven't been yet i mean <sighs> white people already did more harm to every other indigenous population on Earth. Can we please just leave these people alone? Yeah, so, so that was pretty enraging. And, and, and it is truly mystifying, again, what this guy, John Allen Chow's plan was. Yeah. Like, what, he was just going to be like, Hi, I'm John from America. Here's Jesus. You know, you? Applebee's and baseball. Mom and apple pie. Jesus Christ. And here's a Bible that you can't read. Here's and- a Bible. I'm going to... And like... What what do you think you're gonna do? Like like preach a sermon in a weird foreign language and then they're saved? I, I don't I don't I don't know, but it's very frustrating, <laughs> <laughs> and I really truly hope that they're okay over there because 
Uh, so follow this one because, you know, we'll see how, what comes of it in the attempt to retrieve this guy's body, which may not be possible. I don't think it should even be attempted. No. Okay, so you wanted to talk about uh, what the Ohio state government is attempting to do. I do. Oh, sorry about that. Um, so the Ohio state government is garbage, and they have passed a very restrictive new law around abortions that I'm going to pull up and talk to you about. A bunch of handmaids went and uh, protested in the state house um, because, of course, they did. Because, realistically, uh, that would be, like, they're just inching closer and closer to the handmaid's tale. Um, So... They're so pro-life down there, uh, they'll impose the death penalty on you for having an abortion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, okay. It's basically a uh, fetal citizenship mm-hmm. law, right? Just like we saw um, attempted in Colorado a couple of times and then recently passed um, in the South. Um, Ohio Republicans are now considering a bill that would make... Uh, that would criminalize abortion, which would make receiving or providing the procedure punishable by prison sentences or the death penalty. So this is not just criminalizing women, but also doctors. Um, House Bill 565, which passed the Ohio State House, would classify fetuses as unborn humans and abortion as their murder, all while allowing no exceptions for rape, incest, or danger to the pregnant woman's life. Um, So, Yeah. And let's just it's remember to know, know that the Kasich has already said he'll veto it. Sure. Yeah. And that's great. I'm glad. And next round, when they elect a different Republican well, who has a different yeah. base, it'll be Mike DeWine starting next year. And we don't know. I mean, he's a kind of a garbage person, too, but he's. And e- of- even if they pass this law, right, which would be devastating. Um, the point of passing the law isn't really to like put women to death who have abortions. It's to get a case before the Supreme Court yes. to overturn Roe. Exactly. That's the point of this. It's not about actually prosecuting women for having abortions or actually prosecuting doctors for having abortions. It flies in the face of Roe v. Wade, right. which is the point, is to get the court, which now includes Brett Kavanaugh and Neil Gorsuch, because elections have consequences, mm-hmm. to overturn Roe. And then there's a bunch of other states which in this last midterm passed laws that say if Roe v. Wade is ever overturned, abortion will be immediately illegal in those states. Mm -hmm. So here the fight begins. Yes. Here the fight begins. And it's not a joke. This is what's happening for real. This is, this is what's happening. And it, it might not be Ohio because Kasich said he'll veto it. And that's great. So maybe we'll give Arkansas some ideas, or Mississippi, or Alabama, or any state, any state that has a Republican, has a Republican House, House, Senate, and governor. and governor, and then they pass it, and then we fight them, which is what we do, and then we go to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court decides that there should be a religious exception, it should be states' rights, and they overturn fucking Roe. Yeah, that's it. So, and that's only one way it's possible. There's yep. many other ways. Yep. There's there's the death by a thousand cuts way, which. Yep. We're already doing. Yes. And then some stupid person the other day, Washington Post uh, 
came out with a story that abortions are at an all-time low historically. Oh, and they're like, this Karen Tumulty, the New York of the Washington Post kid. Well, isn't that wonderful? We can it's, all agree it's that's good great. no matter what side of the aisle you're on in terms of abortion, that it's at an all-time historic low. And it's like, no, it's fucking not. Why do you think it's at an all-time low? The number of recorded abortions may be at an all-time low. The number of safe and legal abortions taking place with doctors and clinics is probably at an all-time low. Why do you think that is? And Women you, are just not getting pregnant, not wanting abortions all of a sudden? No. Because access has been restricted. It's not because suddenly women don't want to have abortions or that unplanned pregnancy is probably down, which is what everybody kept saying. And it's like, how you can't possibly know that that's true given all of the fucking laws that have been happening in the last five years, right, around, oh, we have to have the certain hall size that has to be a certain width and you have to have these waiting periods and all the bullshit fucking abortion restriction death by a thousand cuts means that women have less access to safe and legal abortions. And so how are we documenting all of the back alley and self-imposed abortions that are happening? Are we including those in historic lows? Because I don't think that we are or can. No. No, you're absolutely right. It's nonsense. There will always be abortion. There will always, there always has been, and there always will be abortion. It's just how many dead women do you want? And she's usually much smarter and better than that. Um, she That was a brainless tweet. And yeah, um, it, it's, it, it, it reeks of that artificiality of trying to find common ground. Yeah. Um, I also would like less abortions to be had. I would like comprehensive sex education and free birth control. I would like the entire country to institute the policy that Colorado has, which is to give free IUDs to teenagers, which has reduced our abortion rate by 40%. We also have safe and legal access to abortion throughout our state. Mm -hmm. And we have reduced that by 40% by providing teenagers with IUDs for free. Mm -hmm. So I would also like less abortions. Abortions aren't fun. Women don't like having them. It can be traumatic in some ways. It's also life-saving in a lot of cases. But it's not... Nationwide, we don't have a reduction in abortions because we have comprehensive sex education because we don't. We defunded that. Yeah. We don't have free birth control anymore. We don't have any of these things. So we have less abortions because people aren't doing them in a safe and legal way because they don't have access. Yeah. That's the truth. Period. Well, we have uh, about seven or eight minutes before the break. Okay. And what else did you want to get into real quick? Oh, um, I don't know. Uh, sure you do. (laughs) (laughs) There was something else you wanted to, to talk about. Well, I don't know. What do you want to talk about? Well, let's talk about Colorado a little bit and what's on tap. Now that we control all three branches. Well, it's pretty great um, because we're just bright blue now. Um, Colorado, the Republicans used to control the Senate by one vote. um, But because they had control of that house of government, they had a kill committee. Mm -hmm. Um, Explain what that is and how that works. So they got the idea from Speaker Duran, Crisanta. (laughs) She made one in the House, which is basically... um, you get a bunch of, of 
lawmakers who are in really safe districts that are never going to be turned the other way, right? So um, you put them all on one committee, and then when the House sends the Senate like a gun control bill that's really popular, that everybody really wants, Mm -hmm. they send it to this committee full of lawmakers who are really safe so that they can not take it out of that committee. They can kill the bill. Yeah, it just dies there. It just dies there. And there's really no retribution for that because everybody in that committee is has a super safe seat. Um, we have one in the House as well for when the Senate would send things over. So they got it from her. She's really smart. But it was really frustrating because a lot of the bills that the House sent over to the Senate prior to this um, midterm were really popular in the state, like the red flag bill mm-hmm. about gun control mm-hmm. or... Um, there was a, a youth um, suicide prevention bill that Daphna um, yeah, put that forward one bo- that got that killed. Yeah, that one boggles my mind that that went to the kill committee. Yeah. I mean, that was just petty partisan yeah. nonsense. Yeah. Really. But that's the whole point of the kill committee. Yeah. So without having one anymore, that means that we can just pass all the crazy <laughs> whatever we want, right? Jared Polis is the governor for fuck's sake. Like, we, we can. I don't know how crazy we're going to get. I don't think we got too many super wild-eyed liberals in there. Um, uh, but we're going to pass some good stuff, I think. I mean, I think so. They're definitely... Um, some of the things that lost um, from the popular vote, I think, are going to be put up uh, for for consideration for a bill. So, like, we were trying to fund transportation and infrastructure. Mm-hmm. And when people don't... One of the... Th- strategy sort of for when you're in a state that has ballot initiatives is if somebody puts up a ballot initiative, right, which is like you get enough signatures, you're able to pass a law by having people vote on it. If somebody puts that on the ballot and you don't like it, what uh, Republican and Democratic operatives alike do is they put a bunch more of them on there Mm -hmm. so that if there's five transportation funding bills, everybody just votes no on all of them. Right. That's that's how you get those things defeated. And that's exactly what happened around transportation and infrastructure funding is they put like four of them on there um, with four different funding strategies and everybody voted no on all of them. So that'll certainly be a bill that they'll undertake. What about something like Prop 112? I I, Yes. Well, without Hickenlooper, but Polis is I mean, everybody, all the the politicians are in the pockets of of, oil and gas. It just is the case in Colorado. Even the Democrats Even are the in Democrats, the pocket of yeah. oil and gas. They just are. And yeah. so I, I don't I, I think they'll pass think something of like that. one person who was running for office or in office that said yes on 112. I can't think of one. Maybe I missed it. Maybe there were a few, but I don't, I don't remember. I think Do so. No, I don't think so. Not I, even I, the ones that, like, I remember plenty like, of Dems that were, I'm close were to. no. Not even the ones that, like, I'm friends with. <laughs> um, That's amazing. And, and you know, I, I'm, I'm eager to see... Uh, a candidate who, who, well, that's the thing. It's like, can a candidate even be competitive without oil and gas money? And, and I guess right now the thinking is no. Right. Um, they contribute large amount. I mean, we have really strict campaign finance limits, mm-hmm. but they there's also dark money, right? Just like anywhere else. And so what oil and gas wants, oil and gas gets in our state. That's just the way it is. And it sucks. And even yep. though we're bright blue, that's not going to change. Yeah, it's they such, just have too it's much such money. a huge part of the economy. You know? It is. And they are willing to invest large, large amounts of money in and, candidates and, and, and in issues. And blowing up and, somebody's house 
right. didn't matter. Yeah, they're no. going to have to blow up like a church full of people on a Sunday or a, a school full of kids. Like that's what it's going to take. That's what we were trying to prevent. I, I, I know, but. Mm-hmm. No, I know. I mean, I, I'm with you. I, I know. Until yeah. that happens and there are a billion dollars in lawsuits, then nothing's going to change. Right. Um, because capitalism rocks, everybody. Yeah. All right. On that note, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to talk about stuff that's going on with Mueller, ridiculous shit that uh, Trump said. Oh, and we have a new email server gate. Lock her up. <laughs> Lock her up. Her name's Ivanka. We'll talk to you a little bit about that when you come back. Welcome back to Irreverent Testimony. Uh, so, some things in the news. Uh, what do you want to start with? Let's start with uh, Mueller, I guess. Okay. Well, uh, Jerome Corsi, who, if you don't know, he's a, he's a just a wonderful man. He was the <laughs> architect of the John Kerry Swift Boat. Uh, ah, veterans for Truth. Veterans for Truth garbage, mm-hmm. uh, which was effective. Uh, then he was also one of the main architects of the Birther Conspiracy. Oh, good. Yes, he's been the writer. So he's just and, delightful. Yes, he's writer and sort of chief uh, for Bissanagoyim over at WorldNet Daily, which oh, is good. was My sort favorite of InfoWars before <laughs> InfoWars was InfoWars. Mm-hmm. And I think they're still around, you know, but that's that's their thing. Yeah. And um, yeah, he's awful. And he, he also <clears throat> got beyond just the regular garbage stuff. He got really weird with stuff like Obama is a gay Muslim and the proof is his wedding ring changed. And here's his gay Muslim wedding ring which was a thing, and... But who was he gay with? I don't... Was it, like, his college roommate? Is that right? Yeah, something like yeah. That? It was something about the college roommate. Ugh. He was gay with the college roommate. And... Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so what happened with him and Mueller? Well, uh... Word is... He is, uh... He's talking about copying a plea with Mueller, which is important because he is heavily, heavily involved with Roger Stone. And right. of course, Roger Stone has these clear links to Wiki, WikiLeaks and may have been the conduit by which that information got to the Trump campaign. And Mueller's interested in all of that. Mueller is interested in all of that. So word is that both of them are talking plea agreements with Mueller. Is that right? No, there's nothing I've heard about Stone considering a plea agreement. Oh, I, when I was at work 
last, I guess, Wednesday, um, I think I saw something from CNN that said that, like, reports are that he's considering a plea, but I don't know that he's been charged with anything yet. Yeah, so... all, all I've read about is Mueller. I mean, is, uh, is Corsi. Corsi, okay. So, so uh, but, but Corsi that. is linked to Stone. Corsi would be the sort of linchpin of getting Stone. Okay. And then Stone would could possibly get right to the old man, if not Trump Jr., Certainly Trump Jr. Yeah, so it's important. Okay. And Corsi is a garbage, horrible, unctuous person, and he seems to be in a lot of trouble for, guess what, committing perjury. Oh. <laughs> so new and fresh. Yeah, and, and, and he's one of these arrogant assholes who I'm sure thought he could fool Mueller or bullshit yeah, Mueller. or right. the, He's a so-called doctor, right? You know? And... I also heard something about, um, there was a lot of talk this week about Trump saying that he um, was going to submit written answers to questions, and then he did, and then Jeff Flake, or no, I'm sorry, Jeff Sessions or somebody was like, oh, it's uh, a perjury trap. Um, I don't think Sessions would have bothered saying that at this point. Do you remember this, though? We haven't podcasted in like two weeks, but... um, Somebody called it a perjury trap. Uh, Giuliani probably. By Mueller. And it was like, well, don't lie. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's their latest thing, right? To say, what does that mean? A perjury trap is like, I don't, I can't answer these questions honestly. Therefore, they shouldn't be asked. Well. Is that what that means? Because that's the only thing it can mean. A perjury trap is like. You, you said you were playing golf next Wednesday and we have proof you were playing cards, you know, which you don't, you don't actually get indicted on that kind no. of stuff for perjury. No, ever. perjury requires intent. Yeah. Right. It requires that you know that you're lying and you're doing it for a reason. Um, and so it requires that. So the only thing that that can mean for me is. I don't like these questions. Well, the latest I heard is he's, he's not handing in the questions. I heard he did. I I don't know. It's hard to follow because you can't get a straight answer out of, no, out of Trump of course not. for anything anyway. It's, no. It, at first it was, well, my lawyers are helping me. Well, no, I answered all the questions myself. I didn't even need my lawyers. And the questions were so easy. They were just the easiest questions you've ever seen. And then his lawyers are like, no, he didn't do that. He's not going <laughs> to do it. It's a perjury trap. Don't listen to anything he says. It's bad. And you're like, all right. I mean, I think, okay. Okay. I mean. <laughs> yeah. It's heating up. I think I think it's, um, you know, I think that we're going to see some crazy shit in the next couple months. Yeah. I yeah. do. <laughs> I mean. I, I, don't, I don't know where you go from there, really. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. It's 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 sort of hard to figure, um, and and it's hard to to figure what what the strategy is here, other than to keep trying to build this public perception that it's a witch hunt and it's mm-hmm. a trap and it's, mm-hmm. like, but it's the, it, it it's proven that there's no traction behind that outside of the base, and and we've established now that the base is not everything. Right, right. The base is the base. Right. And overwhelming poll after poll after poll after poll shows that, yes, Mueller needs to finish his investigation. And yes, we trust Mueller. Yes. The majority of the country. And across party lines other than the base. Yes. But but it's like all they have is is to keep going back. Well, what else are they going to do? What yeah. is their alternative? 
admitting that the president is a corrupt, lying uh, obstructionist. Like he, they can't. There's nothing. There's no alternative to what they're doing, right? They don't have anything to do other than that. So, um, I mean, I guess that's the update. Is just we're still waiting. <laughs> God and this new knows. guy, yeah. you know, comes in and and he's making a deal, and so maybe that means something, and who knows? Oh, Whitaker? No, 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 no. We haven't really talked about Whitaker in a while. I think we talked about him last time, but uh, well, we haven't talked about the giant. Oh dong my toilet, god! So fucking Christ, that. Jesus! What? Okay. All right. So before, Do it. <laughs> I have so many questions, baby. I have so I many questions. Don't know that I have those answers. But for you, you have to try because I don't understand. One <laughs> is the problem he's solving. Okay. All right. Let's Just tell let's the story. back up for a minute. Okay. Uh, you may know by now, Matt Whitaker, the proposed, the supposed acting AG that that Trump handpicked, the illegitimate that he never knows and never met and hasn't heard of before, besides the when he did, right? Uh, before he got the job as Sessions' chief of staff, and after he was uh, a state attorney in Iowa, uh, and had a failed Senate bid, right? Had a failed Senate bid. He got into the business of basically <laughs> selling all kinds of, or helping, like being fly like by a night legal companies. consultant, basically for uh-huh. like made-for-TV products. <laughs> yes, is that right? Yes, but like very one not. Of them, one of them was a chair you clipped inside a hot tub. One of them, and the, the clip didn't work, the and clip like didn't broke. Work and people fall people in, people fell, fell in, and, and like it was a disaster. Yeah, with just like so much consumer liability problems that like no. Yeah, and one of them. Oh god, what was one of the other ones? I, I I don't remember, but the one that has recently been discovered in the last week or so was a quote masculine toilet. Masculine, Is that what it was called? Yeah. I don't know. Or it was it know. called the masculine toilet? I think that's right. I think it's called the masculine toilet. And men need different toilets. Men, well, no, not just men. S- certain kinds, of us quote bigger men, need a different kind of toilet. <laughs> Ostensibly, the argument here is that if you have a big enough schlong, a regular old toilet isn't going to do it for you. Now I, <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> what is okay? Do you have first? Let's just start from. Do you, are they you trying to prevent to like this. dipping their dick in shit water? I think I think is that's that it. the idea? Yeah, I think that's like your it. dick is so big that it like just hangs out it's, in the shit like, water yeah, while you're it's pooping. Like a fishing and pole. so it's like a fishing pole. They yeah. want what? So what's the solution? This, this you make a deeper toilet from or? The, from the schematics I looked at. Because I, I did look at like There's a like couple a separate of the blueprints section online. For your dick that you hang it in, I don't know. It looks like it's like a, just like a big deep toilet, like a like a long big giant bowl. So you so you can like rest your massive schlong in the toilet, in the toilet. but not in the shit water. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. And that is a problem that we need solving. It's a problem certain men need solving. Can you just put solving. your dick not in the toilet? I feel like well, that would be a much easier solution. I, wouldn't that, that might be awkward. It I, might be... I mean, I'm asking. I don't could, have one. So hold I, it up, I suppose. Hold it. If it's so big, right, couldn't you just like put it on the rim of the toilet? Like rest it on I, the rim? I guess rim. that's not very comfortable. It's not? I mean, I, I just... I don't know. I've never... I look, <sighs> look, I, I'm... 
I'm, I'm okay, right? <laughs> but I'm not. I've never had the problem of thinking, oh I mean, my how god, how big does your dick have to be? Penis when... is so big. I don't know how to take a dump. It is getting in the way of my defecation. Or just like hanging out in the water. Or, or just like dripping <laughs> just down into your shit water because. Yeah, and like you don't want to flush it. And like, this that is like. Disaster. Show not grow people, right? That it just hangs out. <laughs> Unless you're like getting a hard on water shitting, in which case, there's way more that we need to discuss around what the problem here is. But it seems like a very niche problem. Okay, look. Okay. <laughs> If you, Do you know what I mean? If you have the combination of problems <laughs> where you are are endowed like uh, John Holmes, the rest in peace, and you you become aroused <laughs> while defecating on the toilet. And uh, you want to put it inside the toilet at that point because it's supposed to sort of stick out. Well, so you gets, you're shoving it, it into the toilet. It cold. And it, it's getting cold, Look, so you're just dripping is... it in your dick fucking shit water. Then by my toilet, Matt Whitaker says... Is that what we're saying? Because this feels like a really niche problem. I, I, I would like to imagine Matt Whitaker going around. <laughs> How do you sell this product? The Department of Justice. <laughs> like, and handing out pamphlets. Look, I have this to product. To all the career lawyers. That you need. And it's so important <laughs> because who wants their dick in shit water, really? Well, look, t- Comey's a tall guy. I don't think you know, that means anything, look, by the way. They're bringing, my experience, they're bringing no. in Comey for, for talks. Maybe this is really just a plan to sell <laughs> uh, another one of these toilets. Maybe that's the whole thing. They it's don't, they don't have really... any more questions for Comey. they got to sell a toilet. You know I how mean, many of these things are in are in Matt Whitaker's garage? Right. I mean, how many of them does he have? He's sold like four. <laughs> he really believed so, in them. He really believed in them. And he's got a garage full he, of them. And okay. he was convinced that, that this is a problem that needed solving. <laughs> And that would make men feel masculine to have to buy this thing. It's like magnums, right? If you buy this toilet, that must mean that you really have a giant dick, which somehow ends up in hey, toilet water. I don't. I'm yes, not a dude. You have, you have a date over, right? And she's like, "Oh, I need to use the bathroom." Oh yeah, go ahead. Oh yeah, go uh, ahead. And go then ahead. she's like, "She's like, Bob, that that's a oh large, my god, you have a masculine toilet. That's a large toilet." Yes, it is. Yeah. No, uh-huh. I know. I, I, I require oh. such toilet. And that maybe let's skip the idea and of just stay inside. The idea that occurs to her <laughs> that your dick is not going to be in your shit water because your toilet <laughs> is so deep so turns her on. You don't even have to buy her dinner. She just wants to jump in the sack immediately. Well, sure. Wouldn't you? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I. I don't know. I, 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 no. <laughs> I don't I don't get it. Oh. But this is our new acting attorney general, ladies and gentlemen. Well, supposedly. Large dick toilet man. <laughs> so that's 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 the thing we have to talk about now. <laughs> I mean you thought Jeff Sessions was bad. <laughs> Look, it's it's good to have something to fall back on when you're Career choice doesn't work. We all. You just become the. You just fail up and become the acting attorney general of the United States because the dick toilet didn't work out. I don't know what's happening. I don't know. Well, much like the country, the podcast has gone off the rails. Uh, I did not invent this toilet. The acting attorney general did. Supposed acting attorney general. Right. We have no proof. That there was ever paper, as Kegro says, is there proof that there was ever paperwork submitted that this guy's actually officially the acting attorney general? 
Does there paperwork that exists that needs to be filled out for them? I'm sure there does. Yeah, that's pretty important. I had to fill out lots of paperwork to be a Starbucks barista, I'm sure, to <laughs> become acting attorney general of the United States. Oh. There's going to have to be a paper or two that's signed. I mean, yeah, I guess. And I don't, you know, I don't trust uh, Trump to do any paperwork, correctly at least. Right. So I think it's, I think there's just some bald guy walking around. The former Dick Toilet salesman saying he's the acting AG. Because <laughs> the all president said it on Twitter, that's so that it. must mean that it's true. And then he disavowed knowing him, so fuck it. I don't, I don't know. know. I mean, I may not know who that guy is. I don't know. So that's you know. Yeah. That's where we are. That's where we are. Okay, on the subject, it's literally of, like idiocracy right now. <laughs> it's like it's beyond, just. It's so beyond idiocracy, it's though. It's just in some ways, it, it really is beyond it. The Dick Toilet salesman. I mean. Well, what was what was Camacho before he was president? They said it. They like it was a throwaway oh, line in the movie that he was a wrestler or something. Oh right, yeah, 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 right. Like a WWF. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you, it's not called that anymore? But, but I would anyway. that that's more plausible than a dick. I toilet would salesman. take it. I would take it over dick toilet salesman. Like Mike Judge in the writers' room is like he couldn't president even Camacho, imagine how bad former dick toilet salesman now AG. No, that's stupid. No, that nobody would believe that. <laughs> That's not ridiculous. Even, not even in a silly, you know, idiocracy movie. No, that's too much. <laughs> that's not. It's too far outside of the realm of what could actually exist. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, as as the sort of last gasp, while they still have the House, the House Republicans are want to haul in James Comey and Loretta Lynch for private. What? Why? Door. What? What? Wait. And, and both of them are like, no, 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 no. Lynch. What? No, we'll come ask questions in public and oh, televised. Yeah. I saw Comey. I didn't know about Lynch. Yeah. She said um, the same thing. And as far as I know, and, and then they're like, no, 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 we don't want to do that. And they're like, okay, all right, well, we'll get a subpoena not, then. Yeah. And, and by the time that all happens, they'll run out the clock and it, it won't, it either won't happen or they'll agree to do it on television and they'll get horribly embarrassed again. Like they always do. Right. Um, so right. that's a big nothing burger at all, but it's sort of cute that they're still, they're still hammering away at the Comey Hillary conspiracy because yes. the big man says to do it. Because what, a, why are they mad again, Trav, about those emails though? <laughs> oh, we got to get into that. Okay. <laughs> That's right. They want to lock her up because she sent emails from a private server and it was very unconfidential of her and very wrong and very unprofessional. Well, it turns out Ivanka was sending out official emails while working at the White House uh, using, I think, Gmail? Three-pronged. So she sent them to campaign staff. Mm -hmm. She also, though, sent them to cabinet members and then thirdly to, like, government officials that were not appointed by her dad okay um talking about the work of the government which for some fucking reason i still haven't figured out she has anything to do with um yeah why so, why, why why how did she have look that job? i okay we mean we can start with why does she have that job Ugh. but i i'm gonna just say i, I feel the same way about her email choices as I do about Hillary's email choices, with the exception that their entire campaign was run on the idea that this thing that Hillary Clinton did was, was so bad that they should she should go to jail. And while she's on well, the campaign trail yeah. talking about this and how this woman should go to jail, she's sending emails from a private fucking server. Well, so that, what the 
fuck the hypocrisy that, is just yeah. so rich they think it might actually be a private server out of trump oh. tower they're not sure so about it was that. a private server out of their household which had the clinton found like it's not different it's not different. no i'm saying it might have been the exact same thing exact same thing yeah but they're not sure quite yet and what so now what now, what do we say now? Now nothing because it, because it's it really was never that big a deal to begin with, and, and, and so now that the 2016 campaign is over, the sort media of. is just like, well, I mean that that was a big deal when Hillary did it, but no, we got bigger fish well, to fry. Because like emails. not right, Hillary, I mean, what, what, she's not do, running for office, and so who cares? It's fine. Yeah. And the Republicans are what? Are they going to stop talking about Hillary now? Are they going to stop talking about her emails? I guess not. I mean, so what? If literally, they're, if they're, like, if they try to haul up Comey and Lynch oh my, to testify, right? then clearly not. Clearly, emails still really matter. Then let's. I mean, if they're so upset about it, they should subpoena Ivanka and all of her emails, and let's hope thirty thousand <laughs> of them don't go missing. Well, and here, here's the thing: come January, <clears throat> we are. We better not spend any time on this. Well, I'm saying no, <laughs> no, enough, depends, enough. Depends how much retribution you want, I guess. It's bullshit, and it just validates their idea. It just it it makes us look bad, right? If we start doing it, I mean, it's. I think we should well, poke the most fun at them. What if Ivanka was doing illegal shit via those emails? Which is certainly much more plausible than the idea that. Hillary deleted all the, I don't know, the Benghazi Pizzagate emails, this, 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 which is the whole crux of what they're really concerned about. Um, you know, There's I don't know. There's a certain point at which I have to be like, look, did something happen as a result of this thing, right? Yeah. Did something go wrong? Is right. something going on? Did something happen? And if the case is no, then I think we should not fucking talk about it because we're not them. We're not fucking baby idiots who just decide to latch on to some bullshit thing that doesn't matter. Well, the Republicans latching onto it, I, I don't care as much about as the media latching onto it, right? Right. And how it was just the biggest deal ever, and Andrea Mitchell was hyperventilating every day about how this was the biggest scandal since Watergate, and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, and Chris Eliza and everybody in CNN panels just, just screaming and, and, and juggling flaming voodoo skulls about the emails, and... That that's my issue with it. They they made it the front and center campaign thing, because what else was there? Right. right. There was there was. She a, was a highly qualified, intelligent, experienced woman with great we're ideas. Against a nightmare dumb fuck. Well, how are we gonna make this? How a horse are we gonna race? make it a horse race? Let's talk about those. Oh fucking well, here's emails. a scandal. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really make a lot of sense to most people, but if you just keep screaming about it, then. People start to go, well, maybe there's something about this. Yeah, email's bad. Ooh. Something, Server. something, email's bad. Clinton Foundation. Yeah. Child molesters in a pizza shop. <laughs> I don't know. Right, I well, don't it know. evolved to that later. <clears throat> yeah. So, okay. Uh, that's n- nightmarish, right, and stupid. Um, and <laughs> I just don't know how you can be so stupid. Like... <laughs> How do you not know that that's going to eventually be a thing? How do you, I don't. Well, I mean, I, I think if you're Ivanka Trump, who's going to do anything about it? Like right? one of the things they were talking about in these emails is that she was <clears throat> emailing people about how she really wanted to talk about 
gender equality and the pay gap and oh, well, like a bunch nice. of white feminism bullshit that's that she nice. has absolutely no no credibility on at this point. Yeah. Um it's sort of like the gross irony of Melania Trump's thing is don't be an be, internet be nice. bully. Yeah. Um it's, it's just it's just it's like it's <sighs> Okay. Anyway. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on to what? What should we uh The migrant caravan. What what caravan? The media doesn't talk about that anymore. Right. So just prior to the midterm elections, this was the greatest threat America has ever seen. We sent a shitload of literal military troops to the border. Which it turns out now had orders to, to shoot or or for some reason had had orders to uh, authority well, to use deadly force. I didn't see that, but I'm sure that's true, considering that their <clears throat> order um, for supplies, which is like this thing that you can, it's an open government document, right, that you mm-hmm. can see online, which looks very, like, boring, is uh, with the federal government basically requesting private bids for riot gear mm-hmm. and batons and tasers and riot helmets and all kinds of things. And the point of action was in Texas, Laredo. Mm-hmm. And so presumably they needed a bunch of riot gear and batons and tasers and helmets and things to deal with a bunch of um, starving, tired refugees. Yeah. So that's horrifying. And then when called out about it right before Thanksgiving, Trump was like, oh, no, they're very proud of what they're doing down there and they don't need to be at home. They're tough. (sighs) And then right after, um, I guess we're bringing them back. Yeah. So it's pretty much confirmed with very little subterfuge that it was all a political stunt. Yes. It that we all- were attempting to make people really, really scared of this gang of violent MS-13 people coming to infiltrate the United States and murder and rape all of your daughters. To scare people to vote, voting into Republican. Right. A, it didn't work. No. B, it, we blew some at least close to $100 million, I think, yeah. on this. Uh, and- have a bunch of people go sit bunch of troops that we're supposed to love, right? Love the troops, support the troops. They went down to the border and sat there with no electricity, eating MREs with no purpose, right? Like the caravan wasn't even expected to land for weeks. So they're just down at the border, hanging out as though they're in a war zone on American soil for no reason. And as soon as the election's over, they're like, yeah, you can come home. That's what we're doing. Unbelievable. Which relates to tales from the other side. We haven't talked to you guys since Thanksgiving happened. And we had a very interesting Thanksgiving. Um, As you know, my folks are antithetically opposed to everything I believe in. Mm -hmm. And some of my new, um, I don't know what you call them, in-laws... Mm. Siblings, partners, parents, and family. 
Yeah. Are sort of on that same side. And I had this conversation um, with them. And it appears to me that uh, from the other side, from the people who just like watch Fox News and don't think about anything, um, they're very bad. They still are absolutely in this narrative of these are violent people and, you know, they are coming here to hurt us and they're, you know, violent criminals that are hiding amongst uh, mothers and children and that the mothers and children are sort of complicit in hiding them because that they're all just terrible. And um, it was really gross, really tough uh, conversation to have. Mm -hmm. So for all of you who had a a tough Thanksgiving as well, (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Mine was really tough. Um, I'm not looking forward to Christmas, but then the holidays will be over. So. We should be okay. What's next? Well, uh, yeah, there was there was something else I wanted to get to, and it sort of slipped in my mind um, right now. But uh, there was a big, <clears throat> big report. Actually, it came from the White House about how devastating climate change is and is going to be. Yeah. And it's 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 from the White House, but it's, of course, at odds with the president who actually tweeted the other day, oh, we have record cold everywhere. So, you know, why are we still talking about global warming, which is, of course, asinine. Climate is not weather. Anyway. No. Yep. So, OK. So climate change. I feel like we're preaching to the choir on this one. You guys know that it's real and that it's done. Right. It's over. Um I do keep seeing a lot of people being like, oh, we have another 20 years and we have all that. And it's like, no, 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 no. It's already happened. It's already happened. It's already done. These wildfires are so intense in California, partially because of climate change and some of the drought we've seen. And, and, you know, some of, and again, we have this, this conversation, we go back and forth with people like our parents and relatives. Well, there's always been floods. There's always been wildfires. There's always been hurricanes. Yes, that is true. But they are going to become more frequent and more They already have. Yes. This is the worst wildfire in California's history. The most devastating. The quickest, right? Like, they Mm -hmm. were not prepared. A shitload of people are dead. An entire city is leveled. There's nothing left. Paradise, California. It's not coming. It's here. It's here. And, and, We're and the doing focus it has right to now. be on mitigation. And, and yes. I still see, like, even some of these incoming House members. And I know you want to try to stay positive and inspire people. Even uh, uh, AOC saying, like, we, you know, now is the time to turn the tide and prevent the worst. And it's like, no, 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 no. I mean, I like that she's doing in, like, New Green Deal and yes. making a no, whole that, commission and, like, let's fucking figure this out. That's what all to great. do. But people have to understand. But like, it's over. Yeah. We, 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 ha- the we passed point. the point where we can stop it from happening. It's done. It's and it here. could actually be a lot worse. There's a lot of things we don't know in terms of <clears throat> things that are happening underneath the surface in the Arctic and, and, and some other right. things. I won't bore you with some of the geologic stuff. But, but I, I think it's good that we start to address this. <laughs> it's, yeah. I mean, it's sort of pointless because it's already here, but I I think any mitigation, you know, anything we can do is good. But I also do think that, like, the focus needs to not be on carbon emissions because you drive too much yeah. or, like, that kind of... It's just we're so far beyond that now that it needs to be about how are we going to move people away from the coasts and how are we going to 
change our infrastructure and resettle people and deal with fires and floods and hurricanes and first responders and training. And I mean, it's, we fucked it up. Yeah. Fucked it up. We have to change the the paradigm of thinking in that, oh no, if we don't do this thing, we're going to have this scary new reality. It's like, no, the scary new reality is here. How do we mitigate it as best as possible to limit the loss of life? Right. Right. And that's, I think, to no, your okay. frustration, that's why it's like, yes, we want to be positive and let's make a thing. But like, we, we really, we have to stop entirely, right? Engaging in this notion that climate change isn't real or isn't, he- like, we have to stop entirely engaging in that fight, mm-hmm. right? I'm not having that conversation ever again. No, no, we're just, it's not it's even done. worth having the so conversation. So it's, it's not about whether it exists or whether it's coming or what we can do. It's about how do we prevent the loss of life. And, and in that sense, you don't even have to have the argument. No. Because you could say, okay, well, I don't believe in climate change, man-made climate change. Whatever. Great, I don't the, care. The fires are getting more intense. How do <laughs> right. we fight what them? What do we do? Yeah. What do we do about the fires and the floods and the hurricanes and, and the fact the, that all the, the temperatures things. are hotter every year? Right. I don't, and and we're losing, we're going to lose parts of our say, coastlines. Say it's the heat fairy. I don't care. I don't care who what you think it is. Call it whatever the fuck you want, but we need to figure out a way to mitigate what's yeah. going to happen. Yeah. And especially starting, I think, for me, what I would say is like on their coasts. Because mm-hmm. the sea is rising and it's going to start wiping out towns. And we also have to talk about, yeah, fires and floods and all kinds of things. So, like, I'm done having that conversation. I refuse to engage in that conversation ever again. It's mm-hmm. okay. What do we do now? And I don't know. But I think it's a good thing to to form a commission or to form a, you know, caucus or whatever to figure it out. Um, and on that front, I think... Um, it's really fun to watch AOC on Twitter. God, they're just so obsessed with her. Oh my God, right? They just can't, especially these old men. Mm-hmm. They're just obsessed with her. Keep taking like pictures of her clothes and like posting weird shit. And it's, she's just, she's 28. Okay, so she's not, you're never going to win an <laughs> internet battle if you're 70 and you're fucking with a 28-year-old, she's going to own you every fucking time. And she is bringing her whole self to Congress. Like, she is not mm-hmm. fucking around. She didn't like, oh, I won. Now I have to be a politician. Like, she's just nailing them over and over. It's so fun to watch. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love her. So, I guess in the last 10 minutes or so, we can talk about the, uh, the House Speaker race. Oh, yeah, we should talk about Pelosi. Uh, it's a little complicated what's going on right now. You had this group of 15 or 16 or so uh, insurgents led led by mostly uh, moderate-ish white guys who yeah. were like, no, 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 we don't want Pelosi. Let's get somebody She's else. She's too controversial. Everybody and, hates her. And, and it's like, and, who and hates it, her? And they're like, and, and everyone was kind of like, well, uh, okay, well, who do you have for an alternative? Oh, I don't know. Maybe Marsha Fudge. And then Marsha Fudge was like, no, no, I'm, I'm back in Pelosi. <laughs> so now... Well, so... That contingent is sort of evaporated, and now there's this new one of nine or so Democrats that are part of the uh, No Labels crew, which is basically a dark money, uh, conservative bullshit, you know, let's let's gum up the works and have a lot of gridlock so uh, progressive politics to, p- progressive policies don't get passed because and, it costs people money because it costs people money so now that they're trying to screw everything up um but it, it it's still Well, and what's so fucking crazy about this is they're like well see nobody likes Nancy Pelosi and everyone's like what do you mean 
Like, who doesn't like her? Republicans. Republicans? Okay. They don't get to decide who the Speaker of the House is. I even see progressives say, well, she's such a lightning rod for conservatives. And I'm like, okay, no. Who cares? No, no, no. That is not how we determine... (laughs) <laughs> who, who our speaker is. our leadership is in our party. They, they literally did a fucking survey, right? Where they just surveyed. Politico did, yeah. Politico did a survey. Of, of Republicans. What do Republicans think of Nancy Pelosi? And it's like, what yeah, the fuck difference does it make? Did I get to vote on fucking Paul Ryan? <laughs> do they give a shit what I think about Paul Ryan? No, they do not care. They do not care. And they shouldn't. Because I'm not part of that party. Yeah. If I hate Paul Ryan, he's probably doing a good job for them, right? Well, another thing they don't understand is like, oh, she's such a lightning rod. Okay, so, okay, so, so you ma- take the spotlight off let Pelosi. Her be a lightning rod. Well, no, but the point is, you take. They're always going to find a boogeyman. Yes, it'll be Elizabeth it Warren. Doesn't matter. It'll be Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. It'll be whoever the next. Uh, Marsha Fudge. Woman. Oh, Marsha Fudge. She's a woman of color. You think she's not going to be a lightning rod? Right. Come on. Who are you going to find that's not? And why do you you care? Do you think we're going to find somebody that's acceptable to them? Why do you want to find someone who's acceptable to them? They hate Nancy Pelosi because she's been cleaning their clocks. She's really good at her job. Yeah, and and they can fundraise off her? So fucking what? Who cares? They'll fundraise off of all of them. You know, we fundraise pretty well off that Trump guy. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Doesn't stop worrying about what they fucking think. I don't care. I don't care. The whole fucking point is we won the house back. No, and there are reasons you can oppose Pelosi. Okay. For sure. For sure. And it's and you want to make those arguments with me, fine. But I am not going to listen to one more second. Oh, she's a lightning rod for conservatives. Don't care. Don't fucking care, and neither should you. And don't if you care. do, you're an idiot. Right. I don't care. End of story. I don't care. I don't care about that at all. But I, I still don't see a way, even with these shit disturbers, no labels people, how... They no. stop her from being speaker. It, no. It's, it's pretty much inevitable. She's incredibly effective at <laughs> making everybody vote the same way. She's incredibly effective at fundraising. She's already said, like, look, since we just got the house back, I think we need someone senior, and I agree with her, with experience to run it for the next two years. And in 2020, I'll hand it over to somebody else. But she's got to groom somebody first. They have not been in power for a while. There's a lot to learn. There's a lot to learn. There's a lot to know. And she's been in Congress for decades. So she understands the inner workings. Like, you think your office politics is complicated? Imagine what her life looks like. You got to raise She understands the ins and outs of this. She understands what everybody needs and wants in order to do exactly what she wants them to do. She's able to do that in an effective way that makes our party coalesce around a single thing. She's really fucking good at her job. And I... I have said before, I would like our party leadership to look like our base. So I would like a progressive woman of color to be the next House Speaker. But I think for the next two years, it would be very wise for that person to be groomed by a very effective House Speaker, which is Nancy Pelosi. Now, let me explain what the worst case scenario is, because that's what everybody keeps talking about. I doubt we'll get there. Like, if some of these idiots went all the way with what they're threatening, like, they would get primaried out in two years. They wouldn't even get voted out. They'd get primaried out. But assuming that they did, that some of these no-labels idiots and maybe some of these other people congealed and really fucked up things in the House vote, and Kevin McCarthy actually Ugh. won the vote, well, they, it would be very, very embarrassing for us. But then since we still have the majority, we could still clean that up later. <laughs> but that would be but that would be political suicide. Yes. And I, I can't imagine that any of these idiots are actually going to go that far. But you never know. You Democrats. Don't. Yep. 
We like to fuck things up. We like to we like a little pretend chaos. like we're we like in the anarchy. center. Yep. But like we really like to pretend like we're in the center when we're not. And I think that's the most exciting thing for me about this new batch of of, of folks coming in is that they just aren't even pretending to be in the center at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just not. I mean, they're just not. Most of them, no. Right. I'm talking about. You got a couple. There's 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 230 something. I mean, you're gonna have some blue dogs. You're gonna have some dinos. But you know who I'm talking about. I'm talking about the new like women of color who are coming into the house. Mm -hmm. Uh, The hundred women coming into the house that Mm -hmm. uh, I'm excited. I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna change how things work. And it's so profound to look at the the racial makeup of Congress now in terms of uh, sex and race. Party, it, it, it's it's Republicans always get mad when they say we're this caricature of this party of old mm-hmm. white men, mm-hmm. and now you look at who is representing them in Congress, and and it's literally all old white men and a couple ladies. Yeah, and then you look at ours. It's incredibly it's diverse. Incredibly diverse, and you're like, look, you keep doing this to yourselves. I'm not voting for your people. So your base is electing a bunch of old white men. And when you have a dying committees to talk about things, you only invite white men. When you have, I mean, it's not our fault that you keep doing this. You are doing this. Nobody's making you do it. Period. When you have a, a panel about birth control and it's like nine dudes over 70 that are white, like, what do you expect me to <laughs> I think say? think there was one old black guy, too, on that panel. Like, what? There's that. just, what do you expect me to say? No, it's a horrible look. And, and, and the strategists that are remaining, they know it's a horrible look. And mm-hmm. and they just, what can they do? That's their base. Mm-hmm. Right. And how many like women and people of color are Republican? Not very many. No, there's a couple. I mean, a lot of white women. Mia are. Love end up, did end up losing her, her seat. So psh, she's gone. Who else you got? One or two? Right. One or two Republican Hispanic women in Congress? Um, you know, Candace Owens isn't in Congress yet. I suppose if she runs, she might win somewhere. Um, and then you're just tokenizing people, right? Which well, which the is the most they can do. Which is worse. The most they can do <laughs> because they just don't have anybody else. Well, how, how embarrassing was it when they got so excited about Kanye West? And then, and, and it was so obviously they were tokenizing him. And then Kanye finally, oh, he finally figured that out. Way He's to like, go. He's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> I don't believe in that. And you're like, okay. All right. Well. He might. <laughs> I mean, I don't even want to comment on that. But even, just, he, he, even he was like, no, he was I'm like, done. wait, 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 wait. I'm wait. done. I'm done. Never yeah. mind. Never mind. <laughs> also, his wife was like, fucking stop. Apparently, Kim yeah. Kardashian was like, "Let's have a conversation." I'm like, "Kim, could you have done that before, please?" But anyway. uh, you got to give them their space to, you know, try new things. <laughs> and in politics, let's support uh, the racist old white guy. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, that's oh, not going to do it right. for us. Uh, it's been a lively podcast. I will uh, post schematics of the big dick toilet for yep. you. No, I'm yep. kidding. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> If you want to buy one, I'm sure they're available somewhere. Just call Matt Whitaker's office at the like, Department of Justice. How many of them are in his garage? <laughs> and does one install this for me for the low price of twenty nine ninety nine a month for five years? Uh, or do I have to? You know, guys are do-it-yourselfers. Oh, right. Of course. Never mind. Have somebody else install my big dick toilet? What's the point? Come on. I mean, I don't know. <laughs>
emasculate me with my masculine toilet? How dare you? All right. If anybody can explain to me what problem this is solving exactly, (laughs) please tweet at us or you can email us at irreverenttestimony at gmail.com. I will read all of the big dick toilet emails myself (laughs) so that I can fully understand the problem that our acting attorney general was trying to solve. At Reverend Duo on Twitter. We'll see you next time. Stay active, stay tuned, stay involved. Bye-bye.